Um, but hey, we got some cool stuff coming up this year. Is, is, uh, I just want to give you a heads up. I'm really excited about 2019, 2019. What is it? I don't know. It's just the, the endless debate, right? Is it 20? Is it? Never mind. Um, um, but one thing, just to get the anticipation, we had a great board meeting. Uh, our board of elders met a couple weeks ago, and, and uh, we talked about doing a vision offering in 2019. We haven't done that for a few years, but we feel like vision in a lot is alive and well. And so just a heads up, we're, our vision offering is going to start in March and last for about three months. So we can do pledges and, and all of that, the contributions are to go into, first of all, making the Clark Center more like home. There's some things we could do to improve our presence here, but it's an investment into our future of eventually having a home. And so we just feel like vision's alive and well to, in order to start raising funds um, to make this a home in order to invest in our home-to-be. So that's coming up in March. And then Daniel Fast is coming up. Um, uh, starting next Monday. Who's ready for a fast? Yeah, I'm ready. Not, not just for health reasons either. Uh, I'm really expecting. At, at, going into this year, we, we've been praying for vision and, and, you know, what God, what would you do in a community? What would you in our church, in us as a family? And really what, what keeps coming up is this maturing in Christ. It's this, that Christ should be formed in us. And, and at the end of this year, reflecting on 2018, uh, all I can say, I don't know how to summarize, I don't know how to make sense of what necessarily happened, but what I can say right now, heading into New Year's, I just want more of Jesus. It, it's really all that matters to me going into this new year. So I'm really looking forward to excited about this fasting period of 21 days, um, a Daniel fast or whoever you need to um, fast in order to just fix our eyes on Jesus and really lean in, press in, that he would be formed in us this coming year. Amen? Um, and there'll be some resources for that, books and things that you can uh, read as we go along. But um, before I get into it, I just wanted to thank you guys um, for being so supportive this year. It's been a big year. Um, one, of, one of the blessings we received, we have sound for this. Cool. This is, this is phenomenal. Come on. <coughs> Psst. Is that not the best thing? That's our little Lily. This is the Christmas card we meant to send out, but um, we have two little babies, so we didn't get around to sending out a Christmas card, but um, it's been a big year. Uh, I think we've lived more life in this year than we anticipated living in our entire lives with, uh, with a new baby, um, then turning into two babies, and then you know going through this heart-wrenching and difficult uh, adoption process and God's been really faithful, and then, you know, Lily was born on May 13th on Mother's Day, which was just such a blessing, and then, you know, a few days later, we get a phone call that um, Paisley had a liver available, an organ, so we took our one-week-old and the rest of our family, and we moved up north for a while, and I just wanted to genuinely thank you guys um, for supporting us, praying for us, uh, Jay for flying up with friends and doing the emergency flights to hospitals and things, and Although that was, I would definitely say we experienced trauma this year. 
um, I, I experienced in the past, but it was different this time. Uh, although there's been trauma and there's been anxiety and all these things, God has been so faithful. And uh, I'm setting up stones of remembrance in 2018. I'm setting up these stones as when future generations pass by. I'm referencing Joshua chapter 4 when they passed through the Jordan River on dry ground. The river was in flood season and the the entire nation came to the river knowing they had to cross over. And, And some would say that was potentially a million people needed to cross over the Jordan River in flood season. And God dried up the river for just enough time that the entire nation could pass over. And Joshua says, hey, I want you to take 12 stones and set them along the river so that when future generations pass by, they can all say God dried up the river so we could pass over. And um, so I, I, I want to show this next slide. And this is not for sympathy's sake. This is a glimpse into a portion of, of what the year looked like. And, and although at one point all of these reminders and appointments were so... Um, I experienced anxiety for the first time in my life, which is kind of a nightmare, but um, getting through it. So this is just, this is just one hospital since April, um, just some appointments, um, and e- each and every one of those, we would get a text or a call, and, and someone at, at just the perfect time would say, hey, we're praying for you, we're believing for you, and the list goes on. <laughs> um, it's been pretty busy. But I, I say that, and then there's a few coming up. But I, I, I show that as not as trauma, not as, man, that, that really sucked, and that was really difficult. Every single one of those, God was incredibly faithful. Um, I, I look back at that list, and I think at one point that really, that was gut-wrenching to see all that Paisley went through, and our family had to sacrifice and endure. But looking back at it, I'm just so thankful we have a family that is our church, that prays. I'm so thankful that God has been faithful. He's been so gracious. He's filled us with hope and encouragement throughout the year. And we got two healthy babies, and I am so incredible thankful, incredibly thankful. So love you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> All right. Speaking of, you hear little Paisley? She sings during worship. It's the best thing. Um. So I'm just going to speak, uh, the title of my message is, is Go in Peace. I'm really believing that we're going to walk into the new year at peace with what has happened and at peace what will come. And uh, a lot of times with, uh, you know, as preachers, we get ideas, we get these thoughts, and then we form sermons around thoughts. And, you know, you, you feel an inspiration from the Lord and you'll go to scripture and you'll start to formulate a message that's full of truth around a thought. Um, and, and, but today I'm going to do something a little bit different. That's, that's usually my method. Um, and it is inspired from the word and a thought. And, but this, this time we're just going to go through a passage of scripture. And I'm going to unpack it. I was really planning on something else. I feel like I say that every time I get up on this platform. A man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And, and uh, the Lord led me to this passage of scripture. And I thought, what the heck does this have to do with it? the end of the year? You know, we're trying to inspire and encourage and reflect. And, you know, go into the new year with some sort of passion and excitement. And, and I, I really didn't know what he meant by leading to me to this passage of scripture. But would you go on that journey with me? Yeah? yeah. You participate this morning in unpacking some scripture. And I believe that's going to encourage us. It's going to speak to us. And so I'm going to... Read this passage and then we will pray. It says this, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. 
When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. (laughs) Don't you love that? Then Jesus answered his thoughts. (laughs) We think we're so sneaky sometimes. In our thoughts, but Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your presence Holy Spirit, I ask that right now you would lead us into truth. I ask that you would make the meditation of my heart, the words of my lips, pleasing to you. And God, would you help interpret for each individual into their own known language that whatever a heart needs, whatever a soul needs to hear today, God, would you provide. And uh, I, I ask, and this is a dangerous ask, this is a big ask, but Holy Spirit, would you convict us today? Would you bring a special type of conviction that is never satisfied with a life that's mediocre, but God, would you inspire us and encourage us and convict us and lead us into a place of repentance in order to inherit all that you have for us today. So Holy Spirit, do what only you can do today, and Jesus, take your rightful place front and center, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, yeah, <laughs> woo, um, I, I, I so this, this passage of scripture, to, to put it in context a little bit, and if you wonder, um, sometimes I, I forget to give reference of where I get some of my, do, a, do my studying and, and things, and a lot of what I gather from is a guy named Kenneth Bailey. Um, he, he is a theologian who lived in the Middle East for 60 years, and he knows Middle Eastern context incredibly well, the culture, the customs, and he is a, uh, a language scholar, and so he is able to interpret multiple languages and, and, and come up with great conclusions of what scripture really uh, means, what it meant, and what it will mean. And so some of what I'm referencing is him. I, I have a, a series of um, commentaries by N.T. Wright. I think he's great as well, and again, anything that we reference up here is never a greater truth in Scripture. Um, we believe in the inspired Word of God and the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth, and so uh, sometimes I, 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 I 
quote people and say things, and some people will say, well, did you know that that person believes that way? And I say, no, I, I actually didn't. But what I heard them say really resonated with I, what I first heard Scripture say. <laughs> what I first heard Scripture say, and so I'm going to reference a bit of Kenneth Bailey in this. And so um, these, these Pharisees, uh, specifically Simon, invite Jesus over to their house. And Jesus was kind of hot on the scene. And he had been preaching in the streets. And there's been signs and wonders and miracles. And there's this revolution happening in the community. And these, these um, Pharisees thought, we have to get a closer look at, at what this Jesus guy is all about. And so they invite him over to the house. And, and they, he, he comes in and and they actually bypassed the ceremonial greeting. What they should have done when Jesus came in is they should have washed his feet. They should have given him, greeted him with a kiss. And they would have put uh, anointing oil on his head, olive oil, on his head. Um, but he references later in verses 44 through 47 that they didn't do any of that. So we can assume right off the bat that these Pharisees were hostile towards Jesus. This was not a warm welcome. In fact, this was less than a warm welcome. This was a direct insult. They invited Jesus into their home, they forewent the ceremonial greeting, and they didn't even have permission to sit down at that point. You don't sit down, you don't recline until after the greeting, and so it's an incredibly awkward, hostile environment that Jesus is walking into, if you can imagine it in your mind. And, uh, but Jesus sits down anyways, that'll preach in itself. Jesus sat down anyways, he, he chooses to recline and uh, he was actually the youngest, so he should have reclined last, but referencing off of the not doing ceremonial uh, cleansing or, or any of that, he sat down first, we can gather from scripture, which he turned the authority upside down, which I think is really cool, and didn't wait for them, he just sat down. <laughs> and um, so Jesus is sitting in this Pharisee's house named Simon, and this woman comes in who we would assume is a prostitute who lives a promiscuous lifestyle and she brought with her a gift for Jesus and, and we can assume as well that she had been hearing Jesus' message in the streets that she had heard maybe firsthand or from friends that God the Messiah was, was present and he was forgiving sins that God was not only uh, favoring the elect few the righteous ones but God actually loved everybody and so she had grasped this message, got a hold of it, and she asked around town, where is this Jesus? And, and she would have found out that he was going to eat at Simon's house. And, and in the Middle East then and now, they don't have like these privacy um, rules like we do now. <laughs> like, like it's an open door policy. I love homes like that, don't you? It's an open door policy. You show up, you go in, you open the fridge, and you make yourself at home. I've got a few friends like that. Um, yeah, I won't tell that story. Maybe I will tell that story. So uh, my friend David King, uh, he, he passed away a few years ago, and his, he's my best friend, and his family's still our family, and um, our kids call them grandma and grandpa. They will. They don't talk yet, but uh, we went to their house on Sunday for lunch, and, and it was just a great time. But one time, and they have that policy at their house, open door, come in whenever. I never knock when I go to their house. They would laugh if I did. And, uh, but I brought a new friend over, um, his name was Van, <laughs> and uh, so I bring Van over for the first time, and you guys know Van, and um, like he comes over the first time, if anybody can make themselves at home, it's Van, and, and uh, so a few days pass, and I go back to their house, and, they, and Mary said, hey, the weirdest thing happened, I, I, went, <laughs> I went into the garage to get a container of frosting to make a cake, and someone had gotten into the frosting. And so I asked, hey, Van, 
did you, did you happen to have some frosting at the king's house the other day? Oh, yeah, for sure. And so he had went into the garage, opened an unopened can of frosting, and just began to eat it in the garage by himself without anyone knowing. Anyways, <laughs> we still talk about that all the time. It's so funny. Just finger scoops out of the frosting. <laughs> First time at their house. Um, <laughs> See, but uh, most of us live private lives. Lynette and I don't answer the door because we just assume it's like Amazon, you know, like FedEx guy dropping something off. We don't have a peephole. We live in an apartment. So there's no way to see who's there. Like our neighbors have video cameras on their doors, you know, like we live such private lives, you know, it's like, um, but in the Middle East, it wasn't that way. So it was very easy and would have been assumed that this, this woman, this promiscuous woman even could have just wandered into the house. She saw people gathering. She could have just wandered into the house, and, and uh, the, the, her response was really powerful, which is what we're going to talk about in the way she addressed Jesus and poured her perfume on Jesus and anointed his feet out of the hindsight that the Pharisees had foregone the honor of Jesus, and so she figured she would. And then, you know, Simon says, this guy can't be a prophet because if he, he would know she's a sinner... He very well knew she was a sinner, might I add, and loved her anyways. Um, thank God for that. Amen? Um, so, just a few points, and we're going we're to take communion at the end. We pulled an audible about 15 minutes before service started, because we, we like to stay flexible that way, and we figured we're going to go back into worship in a few minutes and receive communion together, but I just figured that I would set the stage for communion today, if that's all right. Um, Point number one, if you're taking notes, I have a three-point sermon today. When has that ever happened? Um, who's in whose image? See, one of the things about these men inviting Jesus over to their home is as older scholarly Pharisees, keepers of the law, they would have assumed that this young radical was moldable. They said, if we can get this young rabbi around the table, we can mold his message. We, we can actually maybe dilute it a bit so it's not so radical. Maybe if we can just get him around some older, wiser, and give him that much-needed advice, he will come to his senses and start preaching a different message. That was very likely what their motives were in inviting Jesus. And that goes to show their lack of respect and the dishonor inviting him in. And so they invited Jesus in in order to form him into their image. And as I was reading this, I, I just felt so convicted. And throughout this message, there's going to be times of repentance, okay? Um, and repentance is easy. It just means turning to God. So if any of this stuff resonates with you, just turn your heart towards God. Say, God, forgive me. Um, and the promise is when you repent, times of forgiveness, or forgiveness comes and times of refreshing follow. So throughout this message, uh, I, I just felt convicted because I, I felt like in our modern world, and even in the church, we can be so guilty of trying to mold Jesus into our image as an accessory, if you will. And that's what these men did. They, they said, if we could just get Jesus close enough and convince him to change his ways. And, and I can relate in my life at times when certain decisions are coming or things that seem better and more fun, and, but I know the thing that is right. And I try and mold God into my excuses, <laughs> that he would be formed in my image sometimes. Would anybody relate, if you be so honest? See, but scripture clearly says right at the beginning that God created man in his image. In his image, he created them male and female. And so we 
have to be reminded, and this is in light of the coming year, and I'll try and wrap this up so it makes sense when it comes to New Year's resolutions and goals and going into a new year and Christ being formed in us is an important question to ask and all that and our dreams and our visions and all that is whose image are they being formed into? And so we get a glimpse at these Pharisees that they were very much trying to mold God into their own image, into their preconceived ideas and to what they thought was best. But God sent Jesus to wreck all of that. (laughs) Would you agree? I talk about the Pharisees a lot because I hate religion so much. And I have to kill it myself all the time. I hope you do too. (laughs) Number two. If you're taking notes, this is deadly distractions. Uh, one of the commentaries on this portion of scripture in reference uh, to the room they were in says, obviously the room was occupied with two types of sinners, law keepers and law breakers. The entire scene unfolds within the tensions that develop between these two kinds of people. Law keepers often condemn lawbreakers as sinners. And on the opposite side, lawbreakers generally look at law keepers and shout hypocrites, Right? polarizing but this is so beautiful not in this story here the woman's total focus is on Jesus her acts not only irritate but also shock the righteous in the room and this is a beautiful passage of scripture it says this for he himself is our peace who has made two groups one and destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near to him. And how good is this quote? Everyone's got an exa- opinion, be an example. <laughs> Another, ah, another, if I were the woman in the room and I saw Jesus being treated that way, my initial response would be to respond to the ones who were persecuting him and not just respond to him. (laughs) Ouch. May I say Facebook is so telling of this. The amount of Christians that I hear say, I am so disgusted with this person. You realize that's not the point, to be disgusted with humanity. If that was the point, Jesus would have responded in an entirely different way. <laughs> what, what, what we do, and I can foresee in the times coming that times are going to get dark. We read it in scripture, and I know there's so much hope, and I'm so confident in this next generation, and all that's going on, and the testimonies, and all that's coming, but can I assure you things are going to get even more confusing things are going to get more diluted the church is and I am so I love the church and I'm so encouraged by it but there will be uh, hypocrites even on a greater level there will be a dangerous grace message that permisses sin it will come it has come and that's really hard to take in. And not only in the church, but outside of the church, there is agendas that try and demoralize a nation. And there's, tr- there's agendas and, and there's corruption. And yes, I, I am aware of that. And it's going to get worse. And I can foresee in this next year, it's only going to heighten. But what I love why God led me to this passage of Scripture is in the middle of all that. I had this holy, this righteous anger towards those people at first because I thought they dishonored my Jesus they invited him into their home to humiliate him 
They, they would forego the honoring of Jesus. And, and, and I start to put people to that, human beings that do that. And, and, and then I just am reminded by this woman's response that that's not the point. That isn't the point. Hostility towards each other was crucified on the cross. And in a world that's full of opinions, <laughs> this woman was an example I'm not going to get caught behind the keyboard in my frustrations. I'm not, I'm not going to get caught in, in the news, and, I'm not, and that's all fine and good, but I'm not going to spend so much time in frustration on that. That's not where my energy is going to be exerted. That's not where my finances are going to be exerted. My time, my energy, my finances are going to be exerted at the feet of Jesus. That was her sole focus in the room. <laughs> the dishonor of her Savior couldn't even distract her from pouring out an offering on Jesus. Woo! Come on, somebody. See, what this woman did was financially and socially costly. They would assume <laughs> that this, uh, I keep saying assume, this is real. <laughs> We're talking money. Um, that this uh, a wage at the time was one denarii per day. And they would say that this perfume costs about 300 denarii. Is it denarii? Denarii. 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 And so, if one day's wage is one denarii, and she had a bottle worth 300 denarii, that's about a year's wages that she walked into the room with. And so, get, get this, as I'm reading about this, they, we, we assume she's crying because of her sins being forgiven. And, and that's a great thing, right? This response, this joy, this gratefulness. And what actually was grieving her, in reference to what I was just talking about, was the dishonor of Jesus. That she saw her Savior reclined and his feet were dirty. His head had not been, uh, 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 there hadn't been oil poured on his head and he wasn't greeted with a kiss. And, and she... We would say it didn't go in that place expecting to pour out all her perfume on Jesus' feet and wipe it with her hair. And it, what we could think is that she would have walked in that room expecting to probably kneel, maybe weep, and thank Jesus to, of her forgiveness. Because the deal is here that she walked into the room a forgiven woman. She walked in forgiven. She had heard the message and she came to see the one who had set her free. So she walked in forgiven. And she happens to have this perfume with her, which costs an absurd amount of money. And as she sees the dishonor of Jesus and him being maligned, if you will, and, and, and not respected and honored, and, and she says, what can I do that's radical in, in, in order to be the example here of what this man truly deserves? And maybe it was a, maybe it was a backhand, a passive backhand to the Pharisees. I don't know. But she probably didn't come in planning that way. But in response to that, she had poured out an entire year's wages on his feet because the Pharisees wouldn't do it with some common water. So she had to be radical in her expression. And as I'm reading this, I, I am convicted in a way um, because I know that Jesus can come along for the ride in my life. I, I'm convicted because I sometimes sit with him and he is not the center act, the main stage, the center of attention. Sometimes I am the Pharisee and maybe you could relate to being the Pharisee at times as well, that he's not honored like he should be. And This is a discipleship message, guys. Is that okay? 
This is, this is um, because our intention of this next year is to go deep into Jesus. And um, in order to go deep, um, we have to lighten our load and repent. <laughs> and so what resonated with me in this is that sometimes I can be the Pharisee and not give him the honor he deserves. My response is not radical sometimes. I, I, I haven't trusted him with certain areas of my life, and maybe you can relate as well. And so what, to remind you, what this woman did was financially and socially costly, and I think that's what God is calling us to in the year to come. It's something costly. And uh, she let her hair down. <laughs> and we think, okay, you know, woman's hair is exposed. And, but in that time, that was one of the three reasons that a man could divorce his wife without a financial agreement. And so if she was ever outside and her hair was exposed, no further reason and no financial support, he could divorce her on the spot. It was that much of a sin. Some woman kept their hair covered. There was this Middle Eastern woman I was reading about, and she said, the rafters of my ceiling have never seen the top of my head. It was this sort of reverence, and it was this sort of religion, and some of it's beautiful, but... I think what we're reading about is something that was so constricted and so confined to a set of rules that it was robbing the life of people. And so not only does this lady uh, uh, do something radically financially, and, and she does something socially really costly. She, she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair, incredibly offensive and incredibly scandalous, if you will. And what I want to encourage you in this year is you're setting goals and New Year's resolutions and things like that. I, I hope that whatever you do, it is socially and financially costly to you. <laughs> I hope it's a whatever it takes sort of resolution, sort of goal, right? Because I, I, I again, I, I, one, I imagine before I started preaching when I was young that if I was ever a preacher, I'd always have a mirror on stage um, to remind myself and everybody that I'm always preaching to myself. Um, <laughs> one day we'll have a mirror. It just won't work too good with a truck. I think it would break very quickly because we're in and out of this place every week. But when we have a permanent building, maybe I will have my mirror on stage. And so every time I preach, um, I, I, I just feel this sort of conviction when it comes to 2019. That God isn't just going to make our lives better. <laughs> He's not going to just help us achieve the goals and help us accumulate our dream and come along for the ride as we live the American dream and pursue our passions and hopes. And look, that's great and that's fine. But what I, what I really felt the conviction for is that like a whatever it takes sort of resolution. Whatever it takes to get me at the feet of Jesus with an alabaster jar and cost me everything financially, socially, just so I can know him. Is this Okay. <laughs> I know that some of you are going to be writing resolutions and goals in the next few days, and I hope you have weight loss goals and fitness goals and financial goals and all of that, but I just hope that on that piece of paper or in the notes on your phone that as you go through that list, you'd say, whose image is this in? And how costly is it? <laughs> is this going to be socially acceptable? I hope that your goals, your dreams are not socially acceptable. I hope that they are abnormal. I hope that people are offended by the decisions you make because they are so out of the box and unordinary. And I, I hope there's someone in the room that sells everything. <laughs> I, look, I, I know that's not the call for everybody, but hypothetically, it's the call for everybody <laughs> to abandon all. And here it is. The worship team can come. 
And, and, and so we just think, man, this, this woman gave everything to Jesus. An entire year's wages. She, she gave him her sin, her guilt. She had just poured everything on Jesus. All that she had held on to, her identity, everything, 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 everything. And then it ends like this, go in peace. Because if there's anything I've discovered about walking with Jesus is when I, the, the only time I really have true peace is when I trust him with everything. Because if I'm holding on to portions of my life and certain identities and certain affirmations and certain dreams, and goals, if I'm holding on to that, that means that I have to preserve that. <laughs> I have to be the one that reminds me that that, that piece of me is going to be okay. I have to be the one to muster up the strength and read the self-help books. And, and, and I have to be the one to preserve myself when I hold on to myself. But the beautiful thing about this woman, I believe she did go in peace. Because she had just learned the lesson of trusting Jesus with everything. At his feet, poured out socially unacceptably, uh, unacceptable, financially unacceptable, radical, scandalous. And it was a beautiful display. And you know what? I found this year in the most broken moments of my 2018 typically is where I found most peace. <laughs> it's bizarre. The kingdom's upside down. The kingdom's upside down, can I remind you? In those broken places in the, where I just, I had no other choice. God, I, I trust you with everything. I trust you with this adoption process and my wife giving birth, and I, there was a point, I, I, I forgot to mention this, this testimony, I think I mentioned it last week, there was a point where we got a checkup for Lene when we found out she was pregnant, and she had a softball-sized tumor on one of her ovaries that was going to greatly complicate the process for her and our baby. It's our first child, and we had already experienced these surgeries. We got the news of that the day we got Paisley's diagnosis, <laughs> that she was going to need her first operation at three months old, and then probably, very likely, a 75% chance that she would need a liver transplant within six months or so. And so we have a softball-sized tumor, and now we have a liver transplant and a baby that we aren't even sure we're going to be able to keep, but we have to care for like she's our own. It's a pretty broken day. <laughs> but the thing about it was it, it drove us to reach out, and I remember being in the back office and uh, there's a few, few people that were there, just happened to be there and lay hands on Lene and, and on Paisley and myself. And it was in that broken time, I had incredible peace. We felt this overwhelming presence of Jesus and because we had no other option. We had to trust him. We, we, we couldn't make a way. We had to trust him. There was no other option on how to respond to the situation, although we could have gotten angry at the doctors, and this woman could have got angry at the Pharisees, and we could have gotten angry at this, and we could have thought of what we did wrong, and, and we could have just blew up about it. But the reality is all we had to do, the only option, was to fix our eyes on Jesus and to offer him something incredibly costful, incredibly pricey, everything. Whatever you want. I don't know. And then we get a follow-up and, and the, the tumor in Linnea is completely gone. Right? We're like, what the heck? <laughs> I mean, that, that's phenomenal. We're rejoicing. It, it, it was literally, and he said, you know, yeah, that's gone, but I would assume that there's going to be some cysts, good-sized cysts, and it's going to be incredibly painful at childbirth when those things pop and then they had a supernatural childbirth look it hurt the heck out of her <laughs> it was gnarly but it was supernatural no complications normal 
natural, just how she in her heart had been dreaming and how she'd been praying. And so there's testimonies there, but then on the other end, the diagnosis of Paisley gets worse and worse. And, you know, if you saw her tummy got bigger and bigger and in hindsight, after the transplant, the, the surgeon said, man, we, we got that right in, in the nick of time. I, I was unaware of how many children died from biliary atresia, which is the condition she had. I was unaware of that until after the fact. And so I say all that to say is that in these highs and lows and tensions and as you reflect on the year and what did happen, what didn't happen and all that comes with that, however dramatic it was or how uneventful it was and whatever it is, can I encourage you today to take all that that's so near and dear to you and you're holding on to and simply cast it on the feet of Jesus. To worship him with, worship him with the highs, worship him with the lows. And in that place, we can go in peace. And it, there, there's this part in that passage, and this is leading into communion, is Jesus says, you know, those who are forgiven much, love much. And those who are forgiven little, love little. And I always thought, man, I'm never going to be able to love God a ton, like as much as some of my friends, because I didn't do bad things as bad as they did bad things. <laughs> Anybody thought that? <laughs> right? Like, I wasn't cooking meth in the bathtub growing up. Right? Like, how am I ever supposed to love God with my whole heart? <laughs> but it's a wrong mindset. And it's what I want to encourage you with is Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The reality is each and every single one of us, our wage, our lot should have been death. And I want to level the playing field this morning. I want to go into this new year forgiven, light, rejoicing, worshiping, giving everything in light of this. That if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for the gift of God that he so generously gave, our lot, our wage, should have been death. And trusting that on the other side of that repentance that Jesus would say, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Let, let go of 2018. It's been forgiven. It's been set free. It's been reconciled. Look, maybe there's some, still some things hanging in the balance, but I, I just believe for a moment, a glimpse, as you pass from one year into the next year, that you could go into 2019 in peace. And the faith that you have, that he who started a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Right? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and what else? The perfecter of our faith. There's promises so we can go in peace, transition in peace. And so we're, we're going to receive communion. Um, and, and, and I believe it's going to be a powerful time of encounter for you today. Um, as you receive communion, a, a time of intimacy with Jesus and there's, there's two types of people that were, were representing that story today, as I said. And as we receive communion, uh, Josiah explained it beautifully. The blood covers. The blood covers. And so the blood is taking care of all that you did do wrong or maybe just didn't do in 2018. The blood covers. You can trust it. The blood covers your sins. The bread, the body was, was broken. And so we can say, man, there was, some, there was some highs. There was some beautiful things that happened. But you know why those things? Because God, he, he was broken on your behalf so that you could have victories. 
and triumphs. And, but as you receive, I, I want to just ask these few questions about the two types of people representing this story. Is first of all, myself included in this, have you been forming God in your image? Has the box you built for God to fit Him in inhibited you from costly worship? You just keep trying to cram them into your world. <laughs> if he could just come along for the ride. I love this old worship song. It said, my Jesus ain't no souvenir hanging on the wall. <laughs> it's actually like a, it's not that old. It's from like 2009. <laughs> yeah. Way back in the day. Whopping 10 years ago. My Jesus, ain't no souvenir hanging on the wall, baby. <laughs> Have you been forming God in your image and you need him to wreck the box? Or there's, there's this other invitation like the woman is that, do you realize today that the wages of your sin is death? And do you want to trust Jesus to forgive you so that you can go in peace? It's a pretty easy option, huh? You just want to make the exchange today, accepting the blood that was poured out and the body that was broken so that you would have a relationship with him. You can trust him with everything. And also, just want to remind you, as you're making your New Year's resolutions and goals, I, I hope it's financially and socially costly. I hope that it's incredibly offensive to the world. I hope that people question you about your year coming up. I hope that some people laugh at you. <laughs> Some of people do that already all the time. <laughs> people are already laughing. <laughs> I got nothing to lose. <laughs> that it's costly. It's costly. That it's an alabaster jar this year as an offering to Jesus. All, all of it. The accumulation of it is to know him more. To grow in him and him and us. Sort of intimacy. And so what we're going to do is um, release the, the rose one by one. One, and we have ushers to do so, but we just kindly ask that you'd receive the elements on the hard surface area at, at the front of the theater. The Clark Center has been gracious to let us do communion in here, and we're so thankful for them. It's been a great place to worship, and so thank them. Um, but if you kindly would, there's, there's, some, there's some more space here in the second row and first row if you want to come and, and take time and, and just believe that as you do this and as we worship that God would encounter you right where you're at and that there would be an exchange, a costly exchange today of worship, adoration. And uh, let me pray. We'll begin to release. And Lord, we thank you so much for your blood that was poured out. We choose not to forget that the wages of our sin is death. But through this generous gift, this free gift, you've given us eternal life. We thank you today. And I don't know everyone's background, where they've been, the promiscuous lifestyle maybe, or maybe the religious lifestyle that you've been leading, all that is counter to the heart of God. But I just believe in this moment as we receive this blood and we take in his body that he would crucify the enmity that is in us towards each other and towards him and that there would be peace. 
today. In Jesus' name, thank you for doing something supernatural, God. Thank you for your blood that was poured out on our, our behalf. And thank you for your body that was broken for us. In Jesus' name. Guys, if you'd stand and worship as we're taking communion. And